Welcome to Two Sides to the Story with Ted and Lori. I'm Lori Hearsetter. And I'm Ted Zaleski. Today, we are at my daughter Monica's house, sitting in the living room. Her dog Harlan between my feet. Uh, we're in the living room because for some reason they don't have a recording studio here. I don't know why that is. <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> but um, those of you who have listened to our episodes might remember that we interviewed Monica once before. We were talking about bookstores that she's visited on trips that she's made and books that she's bought. And she's back again. I think, am I thinking right, Lori? This is the first time we've had a person on for a second time? Yeah, I think you're right. This is the first time. And, um, and I'll clarify about, you know, we're at Monica's. So this is maybe oh. a, another, first, another first time is that I'm not there. Um, I actually just dropped off my son and his girlfriend at Hershey Park for the day. So I have a day on the road. Um, I'm going to be doing some reading and some bookstore visits. And I'm currently sitting in a parking lot about five minutes from Hershey Park to record this show. So that's also a first. I don't think we've done a remote episode where I'm the person calling in. No. And I was supposed to explain all that, but I once again failed miserably in carrying out my, my duties. <laughs> you know what? To be uh, to give you a pass, you have Harlan, who if I think maybe we've had a picture or two of Harlan um, out there in Two Sides Land with uh, social media. If anybody has seen a picture of Harlan, you will understand why Ted got it wrong, because he's totally distracted by Harlan's cuteness. And uh, so no problem, Ted. Completely understand. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a recent trip that Monica and her husband Ian took. Um, a major six-week trip, which included some bookstore stops and bookstore purchases. Um, Ian is not sitting here with us, but maybe we'll get him to stop in for a second somewhere along the way. So um, why don't you start out, Monica, tell us uh, kind of the big picture of the, of the trip. Um, well... So I'm a teacher and I have the summers off and Ian has always worked remotely. Um, So we'll use the summers to travel around a little bit and sometimes we'll stay somewhere for like a month. But this summer we decided that we would travel all the way out to the West Coast because we hadn't been there together before. Um, So we started out going to Boise and then we spent time in Washington and Oregon, spent a week in Northern California, traveled through California, spent a week in Flagstaff, a week in Santa Fe, and then headed home. That's getting around. And um, for those listening to the the podcast, you know, Lori said she is not sitting here. She's on a phone 100 miles away. Um, So we don't have our usual ability to look at each other as things are going on and, you know, know when to jump in. So uh, at some point, you might hear one of us have to just kind of push our way in to, uh, you know, make a que- ask a question or make some comment. That said, anything immediate, Lori? Uh, I'm 
Jelly, I'll start with that. I think it's awesome that you guys are doing these these trips. And um, I, I can't even imagine all the things that you saw and did and the experiences. And um, clearly our show is focused on, on books and, and libraries. But just the idea of your travel alone is um, just inspirational. So I really can't wait to hear about the things that you did. So I think this is going to be a lot more you than us talking. So let anything you want to tell us, we're happy to hear, Monica. So should I? Yep, just jump in. All right. Um, so bookshop-wise, we started pretty slow. We didn't stop at a bookstore in Boise. Not because there weren't bookstores, it just didn't, just didn't happen. Harlan's trying to jump up on the couch where the recording is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so for the listening audience, this show will have some Harlan bloopers built in. <laughs> Enjoy the ride with us. <laughs> he was trying to, he's a favorite football. That's his toy. And he was trying to get us to play with it. And when we wouldn't play with it, he said, okay, I'll just come sit on your lap. Um, so the first bookstores that we went to were actually in Northern California um, and it was a really nice bookstore, Northtown Books. Um, we didn't have a lot of, so when we, when we travel, we don't often have a lot of plans for what we're going to do. We just wing it and we see what's interesting or we'll ask people who live there for recommendations. Um, and so we didn't even realize that the town that we were staying in was a little bit of a college town. So they had lots of interesting little shops and this bookstore was very nice. Do you know what college? Um, what was the college in Arcata? Um, this is just listening gold right yeah, now. Yeah, Cal Humboldt, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. And California State Polytechnic University Humboldt. All right. And Monica's voice didn't suddenly get deeper. That was Ian joining us for just a second there. <laughs> So Monica, I wonder if you could elaborate for a minute. When you say it's a nice bookstore, everyone has different definitions of what they think of as nice. And I'll just give you from my perspective. Like if there's um, a lot of natural lighting, I love that. If there's music playing when you walk into the store, I love that. So what in, what is a nice bookstore to you? Kind of describe this for our listeners. Hmm, I've never really thought about what exactly would make a nice bookstore. I like it. When they're, I guess, like, the term that they use are, like, indie bookstores. Like, you can tell it's independent. It's not, like, a chain. You kind of have to explore to find whatever you're looking for. Like, when they have lots of, um, like, local books and little interesting things that aren't even books that you can purchase. Little, like, odds and ends. I always think that makes it interesting to walk around a bookstore. Yeah, you mentioned um, local books. I mean, that, that is one consistent thread through your, your visits. Uh, I know you've told me many times about uh, ask, looking for books about the area you're in or asking the book owner, uh, the bookstore owner, for recommendations on things about where you are. Um, so in this bookstore, I was excited because they had a large selection of these um, notebooks called decomposition books because... Oh, yeah. Okay, and it wasn't sure if you'd be familiar, um, but I was really excited to stock up on some of those for the school year coming up. Um, 
So I bought a bunch of those in various sizes. And then I also purchased a book called Bicycling with Butterflies, which is about someone who bikes the whole migration path with monarch butterflies from Mexico to Canada and then back to Mexico. So those were my purchases from that store. And we will... Do you have... I was going to say, can you get the author for that? I know we'll definitely put... That's what you're going to say, Ted. Put it in the show notes. Exactly where I was going. Yep. So we will have show notes, but the author is Sarah Dykeman. I love that idea. You know, if you're planning your travel, I would plan it, you know, on a couple of things. Bookstore visits would be one of them. Um, Vineyards would be another. I know for Ted, it would involve stops at breweries. So for this um, author, it was about the migration pattern of butterflies. That's just really cool. Neat idea. So I haven't gotten too far into it yet, so I'm not sure how that goes, but I imagine there's some hiccups as you try to follow butterflies on a bicycle. Yeah. I would think so, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so where'd you go to after that? Um, Oh, so I guess also while we were in Northern California, I did a few day trips into the redwood forests, um, and I didn't realize previously but there's not just one one part of redwoods it's a collection of state parks and county parks and federal parks that protect individual groves of trees Um, and so i guess they're actually working now to to do some forest management to reconnect all the different parts of the forest so that it will act as one large forest and it will all be like intertwined and the trees and the wildlife will all be able to support each other in a way that they can't now because it is so individualized and spread out in terms of the protected areas of the forest, which was just like a new idea to me because you just see trees and you're like, ah, it's a forest, but I guess how it's growing, it doesn't actually work how a forest should work currently sounds like a book there somewhere and you know this idea of forests kind of wandering off a little bit here but um i think there is growing understanding of how all the things in forests have parts to play and when you break things up it doesn't work anymore Mm -hmm. there's a book i've been intending to read called overstory by Richard somebody. I'll have to f- find that. But I, th- I think he goes into a lot of those kind of ideas. Um, so one of the books, I stopped by the um, like National Park gift shop or bookstore, and I purchased two books there. And one of the books that I purchased, and I've already given it to someone else to read, is The Man Who Planted Trees, A Story of Lost Groves, The Science of Trees, and A Plan to Save the Planet by Jim Robbins. And he talks a lot about those things and actually um, follows someone who has made it his goal in life to make clones of all the champion trees. So like the strongest trees around the world that exist um, and grow clones of them to plant in different places. So as the climate changes, maybe redwoods could no longer survive in California, but they could survive somewhere in India, like those aren't actual examples, but like that's the general idea. Now, just recently, came up in a conversation about a clone of the Y Oak on the eastern shore of Maryland, which is no longer there. Yeah. Is that a conversation I had yeah. with you? Yeah, because they talk about it in that book. Okay. 
So and I it. have an interesting story with that too. Who would have thought where this would go in our conversation? But um, you said you know a slight sidetrack on the trees, but I, I'll say we're going to spend a few minutes talking about that from what you're saying, and then also um, I my son's grandmother um, had a great big tree between her property and and our home and it was a silver maple and it wasn't just one tree it was i think four trees if i remember correctly that they planted closely enough together and they grew together to look like one and it was enormous and it's still there um it it needs some some help but i remember um his grandmother being very proud that it was the tallest um biggest of its kind certainly in carroll county um where we live but i don't know it might have even been larger than that it could have even been in maryland but i I don't want to misspeak at least let's say carroll county so just thinking about what you're saying about these champion trees uh interesting that's just a a neat sideline family story that goes along with um with one in in my my family okay so you were at the park bookstore Mm -hmm. um so I purchased that book there. And then I also got this book called The Invention of Nature, Alexander von Humboldt's New World by Andrea Wolf. Um, and so the town that we were in was in Humboldt County. And there was a Humboldt State Park that had redwood trees in it. Um, and so I was wondering, like, who is this Humboldt person? And apparently he's like the most famous person from the 1800s and the whole world knew who he was and everything's named after him. And he was really the first person to figure out that everything in nature is interconnected and which seems obvious now, but I guess back in his day, people thought animals were kind of like robotic things that didn't have feelings and everything was just for people to use. And he was putting together, well, if you cut down a whole forest, there's going to be repercussions for that. And um, so that was kind of interesting, just like a very famous person who has his name everywhere around the world. And I had no idea why. You know, it's funny uh, you say that. We had something similar just just recently. Um, did an interview with a writer about a book he did on President James Garfield and in his time, he was a really big deal, but I knew almost nothing about him before I read this book, and I think that's largely true. You know, he's, he's mostly forgotten, even though there's much to um, find of interest about him. It sounds like Humboldt, I know the name, and I knew he was connected to science, but I couldn't have told you anything else about him. Anything, Laurie? Yeah. Uh, yeah, two things. I thought of the same um, about Charlie and the, you know, lesser known president that now we know all of these things about. Um, so I, I went the same place as you. And then when she first started the title of the book, Monica, you said the invention of and uh, you can guess what I thought of. Right, Ted, right from the beginning, the invention of Hugo Cabret, which oh. is a book that uh, we have talked about and um, I love. Um, in, in a previous episode, we actually might have been one or two episodes ago that we were talking about the author, Brian Selznick, and the book series that he has written um, for Scholastic. And uh, that is, it's just funny to hear. As soon as you started the title, I thought that's where you were going to go. But um, yeah, interesting. 
And even humble, are we talking H-U-M-B-L-E, humble, the word, like I am humble? Or are we? did I mishear that? It's Humboldt, like H-U-M-B-O-L-D-T. Okay. So I was going to the book that we were recently looking at, Ted, that I picked up at Farmer's Daughter. That was a travel book going to all these places that were named after words like faith, hope, humble. Yes. So I, I miss I misheard it, but that, it's, you know, it's magic. It's really kind of interesting, the connectivity of the things that we talk about and how it reminds you of other conversations that we've had or other shows that we've recorded. So you're taking us all sorts of places, Monica. <laughs> Love hearing it. Yeah, today's not the day, but we'll have to talk about that place name book you were just talking about sometime. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so then what? Um, so then we detoured a little bit from our original plans. Um, it was... So by the coast, it was very cool. Like every day it was 65 degrees. It was like a high. It was very comfortable. And elsewhere in the United States, it was very warm. And we were supposed to be heading inland. And we decided instead that we would stay on the coast a little bit longer. And then we happened to be at a brewery. I don't even remember which one it was. And we ran into some local Californians who were asking about our plans for the trip. And they recommended that we go through the Sierras, Ian? Uh, yeah, the eastern side of the Sierras. The eastern side of the Sierras when we had been planning to do the western side of the Sierras. And it was a very good recommendation because we ended up by Mammoth Lakes and there was still snow everywhere. Um, Harlan loved it. He was rolling in all the snow, running around like a maniac. Um, they even had the ski resort still open so we thought about going skiing for a second, but they wanted $100 for a lift ticket and $100 for rentals, and there were only tr 12 trails open. So we said, eh, it's probably not worth $400. Yeah, Monica mentioned the, the, the weather. This trip was happening during this really big heat we've been having all over the country, but particularly out, out west. You know, so Ian and Monica and Harlan were, were all out there for this. And actually, I sent a couple texts checking on Harlan and the temperature and uh, thinking about, you know, he's wearing a fur coat. He was nice and comfy. It wasn't too warm. Were you trying to get something in, Lori? No, no, I was just smiling, thinking about how cute Harlan is. Oh. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, and then we did end up being... I didn't even realize that other people were doing this, but um, there was a Wall Street Journal article about people being heat tourists. And we were heat tourists and went through Death Valley on our way to Flagstaff because that was a bucket list place for us to go. Um, and it was 120 degrees. Wow. It was very toasty. Um, and I know it was 120 degrees because we stopped at the gift shop there to look at the books that they had. And... They had a little thermometer set up outside where you could take pictures in front of it. And it was 120 degrees, but by the time we went to take our picture, it was down to 119. So we don't have proof that we were there at 120. Yeah, 119, that's nothing. I would not survive. I am not cut out for super hot weather. I just, I can't imagine. Uh, oh, I was jelly of your trip, and now maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So the whole time we were driving through Death Valley, we were like, how did people do this without air conditioning? It was terrible. Like we had the air conditioning on our car at 80 and it felt very, very cold. Um, so we just couldn't even imagine who would have walked through this area. And then in the bookstore, they had a book, an autobiography of a pioneer who survived the California desert called Death Valley in 49 by William Lewis Manley. So that's 1849? Yes. 1849. And he actually, they had a little thing about him in the, like when you go into the national parks, they give you like a little newspaper of things to know about the park and goings on and little interesting hikes and things to do. And they had mentioned Manly as someone who rescued a wagon of men and women and children who were stuck in the desert. Um, So I have not finished his tale yet, but it is interesting reading something from almost 200 years ago now and how different his life was. I'll be interested to hear how this guy saved a wagon full of wagon train full of people. And um, getting a little bit of an insight into Monica's reading, you'll notice as we talked about these books, um, she's, I haven't gotten too far into this one. I've read a little bit of this one. (laughs) I like to read chapters at a time. And then I say, well, because like in this book, there's a lot of him just being a pioneer and going and like shooting tons of bears for their fur and stuff. And then I get to a point where I don't want to listen to that anymore. And so then I read something else for a little bit. Yeah, I think last time we talked, you and Lori talked a little bit about something like that. One things things that you didn't want to read, or uh, do you remember, Lori? Uh, well, I can tell you about the you know sort of my categories of books that I I tend to avoid. I don't like when anything bad happens to animals or children or older people, which is, I know that that cuts out an awful lot of stories. Um, but I think Monica said something similar in nature, you know, that it's, it's hard to read some, some things. Um, is that what you meant? Yeah, I I think so. I kind of remembered you talking, but I just didn't remember what. I think we were talking about like Shiloh and where the red frog Oh yeah, that's right. All those books. Uh, yeah, you, you said you were in middle school and all the books they wanted you to read had dogs dying in them. Yeah. The other thing I think that we have in common is just, you know, dabbling, you know, read a little of this and a little of that, multiple books going at the same time. And and you do that too, Ted, I know. Um, But I think it seems like, and I don't know if we have this conversation, Monica, about whether you finish all the books that you start. Um, That has definitely been a topic for Ted and I. Uh, Did we talk about that when we first um, had you on for the Father's Day episode? I don't think so. But Can I you finish every book no. eventually? No, I don't. Okay. I would say so. I finish most of them eventually, but some of them, if it's just a slog, I stop reading. Well, there might be some yeah. question here if she's actually my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so Ted is known at the, at the county for saying um, about somebody is dead to him. Um, because they transfer out of his department to another department. And, um, you know, I, I, you can't go that far, Ted, with this one. This is your daughter, you know. So don't be disowning her just because she doesn't finish every book. All right. <laughs> so um, got through Death Valley. You've got a book about Death Valley. 
Uh, and then we went to Flagstaff. And Flagstaff was very interesting because it's a dark sky zone, even though it's a city. Um, which is pretty crazy at nighttime because all of the street lights are shrouded and they're very dim and the houses have shrouded lights. So we would take Harlan out for a walk after dinner and it would be difficult to see for a while. <laughs> um, but you have beautiful views of the night sky. You could see the Milky Way, which is definitely not something that you can see from our house in Baltimore. Yeah, things have changed a lot because I, I can remember being able to see the Milky Way and it's been a very long time now since that's happened to me. So, Light pollution uh, is a problem. We can't, uh, you know, especially where we live and you mentioned Baltimore, for sure, for sure. It's just, you've got to get out away from the lights to be able to see these things. So did you find a bookstore in Flagstaff? Yes, there was a very good bookstore in Flag, or a bookstore that I liked a lot in Flagstaff called Brightside Bookshop. Um, it had nice big windows. It had lots of local books. It had lots of interesting little things. Like I ended up getting this cribbage set there, which is something that I would have never considered purchasing, but it was very pleasing. Um, I got a nice Sudoku book that's like nicely bound. Very exciting. And the cribbage Another. box, Lori, is almost uh, two sides teal. Oh, very nice. And I was just going to comment on the Sudoku. That's just another thing in uh, that you and I have in common, Monica. I enjoy that, too. And um, haven't done it in a while, but it's uh, it's just uh, our list of commonalities is longer than yours with your father, I believe. It's kind of funny. It might be. And I think that if you were here, you would really enjoy the Sudoku book because it's a very little book of Sudoku. And each okay. page has just one Sudoku puzzle on it. So it's not overwhelming. It has like a little elastic closure. So it's just like a very pleasing small book of Sudoku. And I do nice. do Sudoku every day. Do you? I know about your crossword puzzle, but I didn't know about Sudoku. Huh. Okay. Well, then it's another, it's on both of our list of things in common. Yeah, those That's that we're the keeping a tally. I, I, do the, I do my crossword and then I do the Sudoku. 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 Mm. And then I also got this book called Cracked, The Future of Dams in a Hot Chaotic World, which I didn't realize is a collaboration with Patagonia, the company. So Cracked and Dams, that's kind of scary. So again, I'm on page 34 <laughs> of this book. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm impressed that you've kind of started all of them so far. Every one of them has gotten some of your time. Yeah, because I get them and then I'm very excited to read them. And then I'm like, oh, well, I don't really want to keep reading about dams right now. And then, but it has lots of very good pictures in it. And she first opened up to a map of the United States, lots of color on it, which yeah. I assume is oh, yeah, all correct. the dams. All the dams over six feet in height. Over six feet in height. Very, very interesting. It's a picture I wouldn't have anticipated. And the dams are heaviest kind of along the Appalachians. And then there's a big bunch in the, not north central, but the central part of the country, including a lot of Texas. And then a smaller string along the, uh, um, the west coast. What you were just pointing is that 
Alabama, maybe? Like Louisiana, Louisiana. Alabama. Well, I guess that's, I guess it's Alabama. Uh, Big patch. Very interesting. So another thought about us being remote. Often I'm the one that takes the pictures to post to social media of the things that you can't see that we are talking about. And I'm even more interested than normal because I'm not seeing any of this stuff. I'm hearing about it just like our listeners. So, Ted, you're in charge of taking pictures today of the things that you and Monica are seeing so that you can share them um, with me and with uh, folks that are listening to the show. Okay. And this is actually a brand new book from 2023. So this is your most up-to-date damn information. (laughs) Ah, damn information. <laughs> I knew he was going to go there. <laughs> um, the other thing that was interesting, I thought about Flagstaff, was they had, I mean, I would say all in all in our trip, there were lots of little free libraries, but Flagstaff had tons of them, and they were mostly like very high quality books in the little free libraries. Because I don't, I don't know what your experiences are, but I feel like sometimes you peek in the little free libraries and it's really old dated books that are very worn but um there were lots of good finds there uh, i found nomadland i haven't read that before but i think there was a netflix show netflix documentary uh, who, who's the author um jessica bruder okay um, yeah, I agree completely that Little Free Libraries often are older books, um, not in the best of shape. So that is somewhat unusual. It probably speaks somewhat to the area or the the donator. You know, whoever is making those anonymous donations could be a very big reader and just has lots of them and, and is given back as soon as they're read. Uh, and we've had that conversation, people who hold on to their books and then people who read them and, and then pass them on. So that's kind of cool to, to think about the story of the person who's putting brand new books into a little free library. I like it. There was one little free library that just had tons of New Yorker magazines. So that's what you could do with your old New Yorkers. Just- yeah, Monica and Ian gave me a subscription to the New Yorker. Uh, I don't read it. I don't read every page cover to cover, but I do go through the, the whole magazine. And often stuff I find very interesting. So you still have a couple more uh, free, little free library books. Yeah, so I picked this one up for you. For your, it, it seemed like a book for you. And uh, I am familiar with this book, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. It's about writing. Uh, and Chad, it's my truck book. It's the one that I keep in my truck. <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off, but so Ted taught me long ago that you should always have a book in your car um and actually our very last episode he had a very interesting reason why i'm going to leave that as a teaser you'll have to watch the episode if you want to find out he had a very unusual reason why you should always have a book in your vehicle so my truck book is that book and that's that's a good one to you know be able to read now and then when when you do sometimes i have books in the car that are are novels it could be a bit of a pain, you know, you, you read a couple chapters and then maybe you don't read it for a week and then you have to remember kind of where you were. Uh, this book, you could pop in anywhere, anytime, and it really wouldn't matter. So I was right that it was a you book. Yes, you're right. 
Um, so Flagstaff, then you went to Santa Fe, right? Yes. Now you've been to Santa Fe a handful of times, so you, you know it pretty well. Are there, is there a bookstore there that you like? Um, yeah, so there's a bookshop there called Collected Works, and it's a bookstore and a coffee shop. So this time I did peruse the books, but only purchased coffee. But it's nice. It's like close to the plaza in the center of town. Um, they have a nice selection of books on the southwest and local authors and poetry, and also coffee. So I was in Santa Fe once. So I feel pretty sure that I would have gone to this store, but I can't say I remember it. Um. I was just going to try to describe it, but I don't know that that would help. No, probably not. Um, there's also a good used bookstore there. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, I did not stop in there this time, but that usually has nice things. Let me see if I can. I think we did talk about that uh, when we spoke to you for the Father's Day episode about used bookstores are a great place to treasure hunt because... You're not going in for the latest title. You're going in to just sort of wander and find what you might find. And it might be something that's out of print or that's not going to be in, in a new store. So it's just a very different sort of good book hunting when you do the used bookstores. I did also stop by last time we talked. I said that there was a bookstore there called Travel Bug Specialty Bookstore Coffee Shop and Tap Room. And I said, that's going to be an amazing bookstore for me. But I ended up not actually loving that one so much. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking about it. Yeah. Yes. I had a small list of things to talk about today. That was one of them, is knowing that you had said that was one you were going to go to. I was curious if it actually happened. Yep, I did go. And it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a bookshop for me. There was a lot going on. You could buy, like, luggage. You could buy, like, travel vests with, like, pockets. And so it was definitely, like, a store for travel and then there were books on traveling to like different places um i sent a picture to ian because they had a maryland section and it was just books of dc and virginia so i told ian that maryland must be a really hot seller since they were out of <laughs> out of all the maryland books either that or they don't know their geography <laughs> um i did not explore the tap room there but it wasn't a bookshop that made me want to spend time there. Like the Flagstaff bookshop, the Brightside bookshop, I think I could have spent hours there just wandering around and looking at things that they had. And um, I had to get back so Ian could use the car. Um, so that kind of reined me in a little bit on how much time I spent there. But the Santa Fe bookstore, I just, eh. Yeah, so Lori and I have been to a, a number of bookstores and some have been... Uh, held you there longer than others. And this is a story I told in another episode, but we were in a bookstore once. We didn't stay very long. We were walking out and Lori said uh, of the, the owner of the store, that guy is scary. <laughs> One other comment about, you know, a, a bookstore that would have luggage. Um, that's always interesting is, you know, is, is the place you're going primarily a bookstore first and has other little things or is it the opposite? Um, like this is something, maybe a, a travel tip for you guys. If you enjoy 
antique stores also that I have found in my recent travels that antique shops are a great place to find books. And it's it's that same as the used bookstores. It's the, the treasure hunt. You're going to see something unique and different um, in some cases. And um, I recently took a trip to um, to Virginia and found a, an antique. I would call it more of like a an antique mall because it had lots and lots of vendors. It wasn't just one. And it had um, a bookstore inside of it as one of the vendor booths. And I bought some books and I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that at the end. But interesting to hear you talk, Monica, about the places that you went because not all of them were really bookstores. They, they had another element to them. So I'm just curious, was this place it was primarily a bookstore, but had other things, or was it the opposite? I would say it was like 25% coffee shop, 25% tap room, 25% books, and 25% travel gear. And maybe that's why I didn't love it. Yeah, Lauren. Yeah, I was just going to say that's interesting that um, the, the mix of things that are happening, and that's a good way to do it. I hadn't thought of it in that way, Monica, to break it down into what percent it's this or that. And that one's got a, a lot of mix going on. Yeah, I think that's why it didn't make me feel like saying, because I was just like, I don't know what this is supposed to be. I don't know where I should go. So Lori Harlan's listening to you now with his chin on my, my leg. Hi there, Harland. How's it going, buddy? Is he a talker? Um, no, not really. No? Okay. Hardly ever makes any noise. Mm. Um, so Santa Fe was the end, and then it was kind of a mad dash back to the East Coast, right? Yeah, we went straight from Santa Fe back home. And, of course, we stopped along the way. It was nice. We went a different way back than we've ever gone before. So I got to go through Kentucky, which is a state that I haven't been. Um, we didn't really stop anywhere, though, so I'm not sure it counts. But we also went through West Virginia. And whenever we go through West Virginia, I have to buy all the pepperoni rolls that I can find. <laughs> and my son likes those pepperoni rolls. I actually picked up a book at the library for him recently. I don't remember the exact name, but it's something about the West Virginia pepperoni roll. Yeah, whole book is about, about them. Um, so, you know, you said a state you hadn't been to. I think you told me that you've been to all but three in the continental United States now. Is that right? Yep, we need to go wow. to Rhode Island. I've been to Mississippi, but Ian hasn't been to Mississippi and Alabama. How did you go to Mississippi. I briefly worked up worked for a oh, tech yeah. startup. <laughs> Can't believe I've done that because I am not a technologically savvy person. But I went to a, it's called Haxon Jackson. It was in Jackson, Mississippi. And it was like a, what was it even, Ian? Like, I, like a hacking consulting conference or something like that? Like a consulting conference for like hacking like I don't even I can't even tell you how you would hack I don't know how the internet works I don't know why I work for this company but um, and so I, I went to a conference in Jackson Mississippi I do remember that now so uh, any plans for your last three um not really I mean we figure we could probably do a long weekend in Rhode Island I don't know when we'll hit 
Alabama and Mississippi. So any- I'm back to being jelly again because there is <laughs> a very long list of places that I have not been, and you guys are down to three. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear about what you do when you go to those three. When you go to the final one, there might need to be some sort of, I don't know, event. <laughs> that, that sounds like a big deal. And then I guess we'll have to go to Hawaii and Alaska because we've not done those yet. Uh, yes. For sure. <laughs> You're that close. You might as well do them all. <laughs> Anything you want to add, Ian? No, I was trying to think of how we would hit uh, Alabama and Mississippi. I don't know if they can hear you all the way back there. I'm just... So Ian's mind's working on getting to Alabama and Mississippi now. Perfect. I love it. Maybe that's next year. We'll have to do a coastal tour. Uh, the beach trip. Alabama has a coast. Yeah. A little baby coast. People will be like, we're going to the beach. And people will be like, oh, which one? Oh, Alabama. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's a country song. <laughs> so um, any any other takeaways from your the bookish part of your trip? <laughs> I don't... I don't think so. Nothing that's that comes to mind. Lots of good bookshops everywhere. I feel like every town you go to, you can find a nice local bookstore. At least one. Some of them, there were more than one local bookstore. And that's, that's good to hear because there was a time when it was becoming a bit of a worry that that wasn't going to be the way it was anymore. And so, what we're hearing in our adventures, uh, conversations with bookstore owners, et cetera, is that you're actually seeing a resurgence, that there is a lot more indies um, and, and some of the big boxes are closing down or they're minimizing their space and moving to a smaller space. So I'm, I'm very happy to see that. And it, it does seem like some of that um, is related to what we were talking about, where you're not just the bookstore anymore that they've added some other element to it, whether it's a 20% coffee shop or or some novelty items or whatever, that it, it does seem to be helping bring people to bookstores who may not just be book people alone. So that's really nice to see. So, Lori, you want to... I know I have... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to add a couple thoughts, um, and this is based on... Um, I, our first show with Monica, and she was sharing with us some of... Her some of her book um, interests and experiences and, and it, it's an, I think it's influenced me to some degree. So I wanted to share that with you that I, um, I recently went on a trip to Virginia, as I, I was saying, and um, looked at some books in, in a variety of places. And I found myself thinking about our conversation with you and it, it did influence a little bit of what I looked at and what I purchased. So um, the place that I mentioned that antique books, Uh, that antique shop that had a book section in it, um, I was looking at the children's section, which is no surprise. I always look at children's books. And um, I picked up for the two of you some um, Berenstein Bears um, (laughs) because Ted had shared that that was one that you guys read um, together. And I saw it and thought, oh, well, as a small thank you for you coming on our show and talking to us about some of the things that you guys are doing, um, I, I picked up two Berenstein Bears books for you. Oh, that's um, Thank you. 
I planned that this was going to be in person so I could hand them to you, but you know, I'll make sure that I get them to Ted so that Ted can give them to you. And um, one other thing is about you always are drawn to the local interest books. And when I was in this area of Virginia, which was called the Northern Neck, um, I went into a used bookstore that's actually part of the library. And um, I think it was the town was called Kilmarnock, and it was the Lancaster Community Library System. And unique to have a bookstore inside of a library, but it's all part of the same um, network of people. They just go through their donations and they put them where they think they're best appropriate, whether it's library circulation or to be sold direct to the public. And they had a a pretty large section of um, books that were about the Northern Neck area. So immediately I thought of you. I took a picture and um, I'll send it to Ted so he can share it with you about that. So I just wanted to let you know that you've um, influenced me from your style of approaching books and it it definitely came up for me more than once when I was on my recent trip that's pretty cool that's an interesting idea with the library also that they have the bookstore connected to the library exactly and at the time we were there they had a huge book sale going on and it was like a dollar for a paperback and two dollars for a hardback so um, I walked away with with a lot of books um, on that trip. Um, actually, as did my son and his girlfriend, um, they were trying to collect the entire um, hardback collection of Harry Potter, which they both read that it was about, you know, having a hardback complete set. And um, between that trip and another, I think we only have one left that we that we need to get. So it was fun for um, for family travel as well. So we had we had a good time. So was there something else you wanted to say, Monica? Oh, yeah. Lori just reminded me about um, different ways that bookstores have a presence. And in Arcata, in, Calif- in Northern California, I mentioned Northtown Books was a bookstore that I liked. And there was also a local grocery sto- store called Wildberries Market, um, which was a very nice grocery store. Um, and Northtown Books actually had displays set up in the front of the grocery store so that you could purchase books when you were grocery shopping as well, um, which I thought was kind of cool. And then just a general takeaway from bookstores that I saw that I forgot to mention was that there were just a lot of different periodicals that I've never seen before, like lots of different magazines and um, like poetry magazines. And I thought that was kind of cool. What store were we in, Lori, that had all the magazines? Was that Easton, the, the Flying Cloud? It, it was. Um, I have a picture of that. It, it was a beautiful bookstore, and that sort of stuck out to both Ted and I that you don't see a large periodical section anymore. And it was a focal point of theirs. And it's, it's sort of like, you know, book-related items, but creating that niche. You know, what else are you offering besides the traditional books? Periodicals is an easy connection you know that makes all kinds of sense um groceries not so much so it's very interesting to see all the different ways that books get incorporated into other stores okay harlan just left us i think he's (laughs) saying time to wrap it up guys i guess that means the show is complete he wants some (laughs) playtime. so any any upcoming things you wanted to talk about laurie 
Uh, I know we have some. In the last episode, we mentioned uh, a couple of things that that are coming. Um, we are gonna. I'm I'm gonna work on putting a section on the website too for season two. That is um, events coming soon, sort of stuff. So rather than mention ones that we've already talked about, I think I'll just suggest that we're gonna find new ways to uh, to put that out there so that our listeners can find out where we're gonna be next and things that we're going to be doing soon on episodes. And you can find all that at twosidestostory.com. The second two is the digit two. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find the podcast episodes on our website and also on Spotify, Google, and Apple. So thank you for being here, Monica and Ian and Harlan. Uh, That'll be it for today. Enjoy your reading.